welcome to She Plus Me, a podcast that inspires and celebrates personal and professional growth. I'll be your host, Nora Bade, founder of She Plus Me, an educational lifestyle brand. After going through my own wild journey of discovering my most authentic self through mind, body, and soul, I've been discovering what it takes to find your passion and to live your most authentic life. This is the place to be to dig into real and raw conversations with radiant souls from everything natural beauty to holistic health, deep healing, personal growth, and building a purposeful life. Every single one of us has the ability to build extraordinary lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. We are back with another episode, and today I'm really excited because She Plus Me is introducing our first male guest. That's right. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Pax. You might know him as Pax Official on Instagram, or you might know him as the other half of Season 4 Big Brother Canada winners. Today inspires and empowers individuals to be their best self. Welcome, Pax. Thanks for having me. That was a really nice introduction. I'm I appreciate so excited. it. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. This is really exciting. You should be honored because you are our first male yeah. guest. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, all the it's same, all right? Same. I'm just a human being. I'm really honored, though. Thank you for having me. I'm honored because we've been chatting on Instagram a little bit back and forth for the past few days. And like, you're a really cool and wise human being. And I, uh, I am honored to be brought on by you because I trust your intuition. And I don't think you'd bring on any uh, negative guests. So to be in the positive category is good. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want to dig right into it because I I recall actually, I, it's funny how this all started because I think I actually responded to one of your stories and somebody actually sent, sent me one of your stories and I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard of you before. I had no idea what you did work-wise or who you even were. Little did I know, apparently uh, you are you were on Big Brother. Mm, was, yeah. <laughs> and season four, you and your brother were winners. Yes, we were winners. We did that. It was crazy. It was insane. <laughs> I loved, like, I loved Big Brother America. And when they brought it to Canada, the first season was like a disappointment, yeah. I will say, at least for me. And then I just fell off the wagon of Big Brother. Yeah. But how was that for you being in the house? Like, tell me about that experience. That is insane. It was a good experience. It was uh, it was insane for the reason that um, my brother and I were the uh, one of the youngest in the house. Um, we were just university students at the time, uh, both studying criminology. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously we went on together and I didn't uh, know he was going to be in the house. People don't... Oh, wait, shut <clears> up. <throat> Seriously? People never believe me when I say that, but it's true because before we go into the house, we're sequestered for a week and... I knew that production had brought us both to sequester. However, the entire application process and casting process, it's 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 strenuous, it's long, it's months and months long. And there's 25,000 people that apply and the uh, the, the the casting people said, it's one brother, not both. One of you is going home and getting cut before the show 100%. And we were both like, okay, cool. And they told us <laughs> whoever does the best press is going to go in the house so no way. so during the week before in sequester so sequester means we're isolated from society in a hotel room yeah. um i knew he was there and i knew i was there so we were in a tryout basically and uh of course after a week uh, they they said philip you're going in the house and your brother is going home he's on a flight blah blah they sold it super <laughs> super well so i was like and that was a weird moment because i experienced such 
sadness and happiness, the exact simultaneous, exact micro fraction of a moment because I was so sad for my brother because I knew how hard it was to get onto the show and how much time and energy he had put in. And I was equally super, super happy for for myself to go in. So it was a very weird emotion, uh, emotional moment. And then, uh, so yeah, I get in the house and then of course after about an hour of being there, he walks in as well. So. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that must have been bittersweet and like such a joyous moment. Bittersweet. To just be like, yeah. Yeah, it was, That's it was wild. Amazing. Super difficult. Well, how how long is that actual recording of the whole show and every like is it pre-recorded or no, is it actually no. live? It's okay. live. Yeah, it's it's live and every week there's like an eviction and uh, somebody leaves, but the entire uh, show lasted 77 days. And as an individual, how do you feel like that has contributed to just who you are today? Do you feel like if you weren't on Big Brother, it could have totally shifted who you've I mean, become, essentially? 100%. I mean, nobody is rigid. Like, everything evolves. Everything changes and and influences everything else. So, I mean, if I stayed in university, didn't go on Big Brother, I would have a completely different life trajectory and I would be a completely different person for sure. I, it, it affected me so much. Really? Um, yeah. Shaped me quite a bit. Um, and then in the house, obviously the, the amount of growth and development, um, mentally is, uh, incredible and challenging. And cause it's really just a people's game. And it's, it's a test of perception and intuition, trust, uh, deceit, the whole emotional spectrum. And uh, there's no truth in there. And there's also no lies. It's just, what do you believe? And you roll with that. So in the house, um, I grew a lot as well. I, it, was, it was super intense and very hard and also very fun. And then after, um, Like I fell in love in the house with the girl who finished second place. So I moved away from Ottawa, did not go back to school, pursued love. Like whenever I want to do something in life, I just go do it. So, I mean, it it 100% changed the trajectory (laughs) of of my life. And uh, so it's not just like go into Big Brother, come out of it, go back to your old self. It's like you are a new person. And that's basically... Yeah, because pe- people don't really. I, I'm almost like That's a fairly philosophical and like spiritual person, so like time doesn't end or begin; it just kind of goes. What happened in the past is always just a lesson, and what happens yeah. in the future is just a desire and a dream. And all I have is right now, so it's not like. I, I mean, if you ask someone someone else, you would totally get a different answer. But for me, um, it it definitely shaped my brain and like the way I see the world and the way I see relationships. And that is just a compounding thing from moment to moment that was like, like I I grew a lot in big brother. So all my moments after big brother in the real world were a lot different, especially getting recognized and being someone like some sort of a public figure, everything changed, infinitely changed. Yeah. Have you ever, you know, been faced with just complete biased opinions that I have mean, come your way day, and how day. you dealt with it. <laughs> I face biased opinions. Uh, but so um, during the show, controlling perception was an absolute must, um, which could be seen as manipulative or just on the other end of the spectrum, adaptable and intuitive and intelligent and not being just rigid 
in your own self, like monitoring the situation and stuff like that. And then after coming out, coming out of the show, um, dealing with, uh, equal amounts of hate and love coming at me, you know, people online, I had 16,000 followers just in like a week after the show. So that was a lot. And, um, everyone underestimates the harshness and intensity of the internet. Nobody without a following can know what it's like to have a following Mm -hmm. until you have it. It's literally impossible to, because the amount of people that said, Hey, you knew you'd have a following going in. You knew. Uh, yeah, I knew I would have some sort of followers, but like, yeah, that doesn't prepare me. Like that doesn't prepare a person to deal with hate and deal with attack. And also on the other end of the spectrum, deal with love and praise. So it was, um, definitely a process and, uh, a hard one at that for sure. Yeah. Did you ever feel like they kind of put you on a pedestal to an extent? Like, did you ever feel like you got far more recognition than you deserved or perhaps even After the versa? show, watching it back, um, so I'm going from a production standpoint here. Uh, after the show, watching it back, I felt I was okay with it. I was a little bit disappointed with uh, the lack of strategy they showed me doing in the house they they gave a lot because they're, they're building a storyline and characters right so i mean i i would say that you know cassandra was a, course, was a favorite yeah. and tim was a favorite on my season and i was uh to a certain degree but they sh- the they portrayed these these characters and individuals as uh you know sneaky and uh, intelligent so after the after the show ended and i was more like a funny chill um, whatever. And, uh, they didn't show all of yeah. my strategy and that bugged me. That really bugged me after watching it back, but I understand why they didn't. And, um, but yeah. now obviously two, three years down the road after, um, more evolution of self, I, I don't care. I literally couldn't care less. Um, because that would have been my ego back then wanting recognition. Yeah. And uh, I acknowledge that now. I didn't back then. Yeah. Can we go back to just you growing up? I just want to hear, and I guess for our listeners too, because um, a lot of the time, and I mentioned this on many episodes, but a lot of the time we see, you know, success and we see these people who, and again, success can mm-hmm. be deemed as, you know, what whatever you aspire to be really. But we see these people who have just kind of accomplished and conquered their dreams, but we assume that the, the journey was just cool. so easy. So I-, I was a hockey player always and I wanted to play in the NHL and that was, uh, that was my dream and I didn't really care too much for school. I didn't care too much for the structure, it always sort of baffled me that people took it seriously, to be honest. Um, as a kid growing up, I just had this philosophy where like none of this mattered. <laughs> like, who is this teacher? Like, I was like a 10-year-old kid, like looking at this 40-year-old teacher, yeah. like as if she just knew nothing. And like, she had no right to tell me what to do. <laughs> but, 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 but. So you were that little ratty hockey kid. <laughs> I was the charmer. And the nice guy, because I value niceness. I don't value uh, ah. being mean and I don't value uh, – I never bought into the stereotype of being a hockey player. I I always just resorted and came from my yeah. own 
faculties and my own, my own ways, you know, like I remember one time, this is just a short, tiny, like 10 second story. I was looking at the window in a classroom. I was in grade nine and my history teacher looked at me and said, are you not paying attention? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm paying more attention. I just said that to her and she brought my mom in and I was like, mom, I was listening. You listen with your ears, not with your eyes and stuff, stuff like that. Like I was always a challenging person. And I like that about myself. I was kind of quiet, to be honest. And, uh, but in my head, I had some, just my own thoughts. Yeah. I always have. And so I was, I wanted to be a hockey player. Um, so I never fit the mold of yeah. hockey player. I never, I never like was a jock or bullied. I was, I was, I would always, you know, go sit with the people that didn't have anyone to sit with or didn't have anyone to eat lunch with. I would go sit with them always, 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 always. And, um, stuff like that. Like, but I was really good at hockey and I wanted to play and I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to the NCAA and play division one hockey and then uh, get an NHL opportunity. And I think I was on my way. Um, but what happened was I got a concussion playing junior hockey yeah. and um, rehabilitated, rehabilitated for a full year and uh, came back. And then at the first contact I in training camp, I, I quit during the game. I, I just, I quit hockey. So that was tough. And, um, my head wasn't okay. My head was not okay at all. I had like personality issues. Um, and so there's my dream. I only had one dream. I only had one and it was to play in the NHL. Um, and I was really, I was really excited because I thought I had, you know, a glimmer of hope and that's all a young Canadian boy can ask for, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. I felt like it was up to me to, to work hard enough and get there. And knowing who I am, I probably would have. And so having that end so abruptly was really, really devastating, to be honest. Um, Because when you live for something for so long and it's gone, you need to find something else. That's what I was trying to do. And while I was trying to look for something else, I was battling with a lot of personality stuff, a lot of insomnia, a lot of concussion, really bad things, you know, like depression, anxiety. I would have to stay awake for two days just to sleep for eight hours, nine hours. Like I had really bad insomnia and, uh, that's intense, especially once at that age, I'm sure your body and brain was still developing too. Of course. Yeah. So it was, it was really tough and, um, I couldn't focus on conversations at all. Like if, if someone was talking to me for more than seven seconds or eight seconds or whatever, like I would just, it would just become all words and all a big stew of nothing. I would get no message ever from people. So it was impossible to actually communicate with people. And that was probably the worst part because I was always so fun and like nice and could give good feedback and hold good conversation. And I'd lost that too. And I was like, Mm -hmm. God, this sucks, man. Like what I, what do I, what am I going to do? So anyways. Well, at that point you're kind of, you kind of lost a, a sense of your identity in a way. I did. Right? Yeah, I did lose yeah. a sense of my identity and it was really tough. Uh, but good thing we wanted to go to a Blue Jays game and Mike and Frank wanted to <laughs> tell me to go on Big Brother. Find a big brother. Yeah. 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 So fast forward, we just uh, went through Big Brother. You won. Mm-hmm. What did you do after? Like, tell me, tell me how you felt. Tell me what you did next. I'll blow your mind with some right after the show stuff. So like the day <laughs> after the show is um, the rap party. <clears throat> yes. And I was so traumatized. 
<laughs> I get no out. No way. Like, I get out of, yeah. Like, this is what I mean. People don't know what it's like at all. Yeah. And so I get in, I get off the show. I get my check. My brother gets his check. And if you're wondering, it's 50,000, 50,000 because the grand prize is 100 and they split it. Which is okay. at the time I was like, this sucks, but whatever. Um, I mean, for for doing a show and getting some publicity, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> yeah, but um, every dollar is earned. Like literally, uh, if you like, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think fifty grand. I wouldn't do it for fifty grand again. Really? I, I wouldn't do it for a hundred. I would ask for probably a quarter million for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Because and people. Why do you say that? People though? don't. Well, like I said, people don't understand what it's like. It's hard going to war like it literally is and like in what sense though maybe describe it a little bit because to me and i think to anybody who watches it just seems like it's so easy it's kind of like easy money really (laughs) and i know you've gone through it so enlighten us (laughs) oh i could um it's like how in a day like how does the recording go like, are you expected to be like, this is the schedule. This is how you need, like, no, did no, it, no, is no, it no. ever started? No, okay. no, 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 It's you, it's like the Hunger Games, but with minds, brains. That's what yeah. it is. So, and, so did you feel like you were, I guess, in a sense, perhaps not being true to like who you were as a person because you had to deceive people to no. win, essentially? No. Oh, that's okay. the common consensus, but I, uh. I always relied on my higher faculties to win. Mm-hmm. I never went into a situation and said, how do I deceive this person? I was like, how do I, this is how I went into it. I was like, how do I connect with this person? How do I, how do I figure them out, figure out their motives and their values and their beliefs? And then how do I play around down there? Yeah. So, um, and it would always make sense. I make sense. I make a lot of sense. And I mean, I, I never, I think I never went into some, some situation and there was why I lied. I lied like twice in the house, like straight up lied because I was so caught, like so caught, like in trouble and I had to change the perception quick. So mm-hmm. there was like two times, but like the show is so long and there's, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of conversations. And, um, no, like I, I was always I was always true to myself and like I, with the, with the philosophy that I have on life, I didn't treat the house as something different than the world and then the earth. Mm -hmm. And then like, it just, I, my body was in that space and I'm still the same. I'm still the same dude. So, um, I didn't go in and say, okay, we're in big brother. Let's do this now. It was, it was just like a consistent, I brought my values into the house. I brought my beliefs into the house. And that's the biggest mistake people make in there is they leave their stuff at the door and they try to become something else for the show. And that's a big mistake. Yeah. That's interesting you say that because I think that's what a lot of us buy into. Oh, yeah. A lot of the fans and all like all lies and bullshit. It's you don't win. You don't. I've, I've met all the winners and all the winners will say the same thing. They'll well, they'll they'll have a different spin, but the common denominator with the winners is that they're good at people and yeah. they they're intuitive. They have a good perception and they have a good perception of themselves. And that's the key. Interesting. Yeah. And you'll get so, yeah. if you were to ask anyone else, you would get a totally different answer. But it is me and I am a mindset guy. <laughs> so you're getting yeah. this uh, this, <laughs> hard, yeah. this version of 
the game. And yesterday I had a podcast on uh, how to win. So I'm in that coaching mindset for this particular conversation. Actually, I was talking to someone who was on last season for their podcast. So I am fresh. <laughs> <laughs> fresh mindset. So you had won, you got your check. Then what happened? Were yeah. you like, okay, what do I do I, now? Um, after the I get my check the next day at the rap party, I had a complete mental breakdown. Complete mental breakdown. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like there was about what was the premises? Um, there was like two two so um I'm all messed up, right? And then obviously after the game, like I'm just overwhelmed. Like I get to the hotel, my, my family's there and I just instantly told them all to leave the room. It was too much because my mom uh, and dad and sister, they were all so excited, which is so fair and so justified. And particularly my mom, she had her iPad out and she was just like showing me all these tweets and all these new like followers and like all these new messages and everything. And I was just like, mom, no, like just stop. Like, just please. No, like I don't want to see any of it. Like, I don't care because the thing is, when you go into that house and you stay for so long, it's like going to prison. Like you, you don't have your phone. You don't have outside opinion. You just have your 16 house guests and then you have 15 and 14. And it's like a little, you really feel like a human in there. You, you, you reconnect with certain things that are more important than anything else. And so when mm-hmm. my mom, my mom like brought that all back in and she had no idea, like you can't, understand my perspective so she brought it all in and I was like mom and she was like all hurt by it and I was like mom just please give me some space and time please yeah and so she did of course my brother needed needed it too like he was in his room just like like quiet and isolated still because that's what we were used to we had reconditioned ourselves or something and so we go yeah well essentially it's like a new programming that your body's now used to right and then yeah, so <clears throat> we go to I go to this rap party and this is the day after winning and everyone's like super stoked to see me and like all the other house guests that have been evicted were there and actually some other house guests from previous seasons were there and I, they were all like super stoked and actually all of production was there too which was very interesting because when you're in the diary room you talk to a voice, big brother voice and there's like different big brothers like they can't all work all the time, right? So it's like, "Hey man, and I recognized, like, so I'd be at this party and then people would come up to me and say, hey, Phil. And I'd be like, oh, my God, you asked me, you talked to me for 77 days. You're big brother. What the hell? And it was just like trippy, yeah. trippy, trippy. And then other people would come up and say, hey, I was behind the walls when you were talking to your brother about this. It was so heartwarming. Oh, my God, I was there. It was like we were crying. We were crying. We just wanted to hug you. And you were just right Oh, my there. gosh. Like, that is a little excessive. Yeah. Like, like this is insane. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. All it was was just my energy getting depleted. And I had a big breakdown. I cried. And, like, I just cried at the rap party. Sarah Hanlon figured it out. She saw me. She, she won uh, season three, I think. Yeah. So she was like, you're not okay. And so she helped me. She talked to me quite a bit because she's also an introspective human being and very interesting. So she helped me. And, um, but as I'm having this breakdown, it only, I didn't, I didn't stay long after that. I, I was overwhelmed. I, I just left. I walked home like three kilometers to the hotel again. That was like immediately after. And then you go back home and then same thing. I go back home a, a day later on the flight or two days later on the flight. And then um, after like partying and being overwhelmed at the club, because people are like literally paying 40, 50 bucks to come meet you. I'm like, <laughs> how can I be used to that? Like, and these people are all like, I don't, 
like I, I hated to, I like when I hate to say it, but like, I didn't know them. So how am I supposed to give my fullest heart to strangers over and over like a zoo animal? Did it just feel like you were being fake with them or it was like, no, no, not fake. It was just being used. Yeah. Used. Like I didn't want to be there at that point. I realized that fame and celebrity sucks. And, um, if you're not doing it for something you're proud of. So I instantly knew, uh, if I'm going to do something, I need to be proud of it and feel like this is what I should be doing. Like, like what I'm doing right now. Like if I was to get stopped on the street or stopped, like I do, like I'm extremely proud, extremely Mm -hmm. proud. And I'll give anyone my fullest and most honest, amazing attention. And, um, I couldn't do that back then because they, they just didn't know me. None of these people knew me. And um, so that was crazy. Then I go home after the show. It's just, and I was like, yo, I'm back. Like my, my physical body's back, but my mind isn't. I'm not mm-hmm. old Phil. I'm like new Phil. And I don't know what new Phil is. <laughs> so, so it was um, like a very transitional period for you where you were kind of. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. And that's like a common thing among reality TV people. And some people get out of it quick and some people never get out of it and mm-hmm. it just depends on how you channel it like my my buddy um kevin martin's doing great he won uh john party he won season two he's figuring it out just we we chatted a few days ago he's starting to crush it and he's starting to feel good it's just a big period of like adapting to uh newness because it is such a big paradigm blow up and you rebuild yeah yeah and at that age you were still like how old were you post 22 like yeah so you're still young you still weren't yeah. really sure my brother was the youngest winner of all time internationally that's crazy i mean yeah. congratulations to him that's very impressive yeah yeah i'm yeah. really proud of him that was really cool yeah. so you were discovering yourself you were in this transformational kind of okay who is this new phil what did you do next I like the way this podcast is going. You are asking great questions and thank you. You're really good. Um, so, um, yeah. So after that, I, uh, I did not go back to school. I was, I had a year left or so in criminology and I was like, ah, whatever. This is like my out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> um, I have money. I have intentions elsewhere. Like I'm just going to go. I'm not going to yeah. fiddle my my thumbs or whatever. So I, uh, I drove out to Calgary to pursue a relationship and be with the girl who finished second place. I was with her for just over like a year, year and a bit. Like I'd never experienced like such, such like an addiction to another person before. Mm-hmm. Like I was so in love and like so in or in lust. I don't know, but like I really, really like was addicted to her and I loved her. And I, but I realized now, um, I wasn't my ultimate best self then. Like I was totally just a little fucking, Ugh. Like I don't like who I was then because, and I, well, but I, like I don't. That. I like yeah, that I you acknowledge myself. that. But it's it's really hard, and it's interesting because as soon as you said it was like an addiction of kind of like love or lust or whatever you want to label it as, but it's kind of like that fine line: is it healthy or is it not? Right? Because a lot of people, you know, they identify as like once you identify with a person, that's when it can become dangerous and detrimental for yourself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, uh, it was definitely that because she was, you know, she was also, we were both going through our own re readaptation to human regular life, societal life. So that was tough individually. Each of us were both getting hounded by social media at the same time and we're doing it together. 
in a relationship and um, where emotions are high attention to yeah oh my goodness gracious like talk about a relationship and then just add like 10 other different variables that make it extra more complicated (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah that's what phil does that's what phil does time and time again just makes it as hard as possible on himself yeah (laughs) (laughs) just test um, it eh? yeah not anymore but back then i i totally um i could have been better i for sure but i couldn't have so I only can say that now because I am mm-hmm. uh, more wise and more, I'm more in tune with uh, who I am. And back then I, I wasn't. So Kelsey didn't get my fullest and most beautiful self. And uh, I can't apologize for that. I can only thank her for her patience. And I know that I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't the man I will be and the man I am now. So how was that for you? Like going through the whole breakup and also, cause I can only imagine you kind of left the show being like, this is something I want to pursue and then changing your life and kind of moving and relocating and pursuing that relationship. Like that can take a toll on you personally, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, it was good. It was fun. It was in Cal- it was Calgary from Ottawa. So like all the mountains, I had like a snowboard pass and all that. Like I was snowboarding in the coolest like settings and stuff. And I, I didn't really grow my network out there. I didn't make new friends except for like a few. Um, and I was a DJ at that point too. And still, so like I didn't produce any music, any new music. And all I did before the show was produce music. And I had four residencies in Ottawa. Like I was a I was a DJ, like a full, full DJ, like full, full time, pretty much like, and then I, I just didn't do any of that. And I was just, I was just a boyfriend basically. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, a boyfriend that isn't pursuing anything is probably not worth pursuing at all. So (laughs) (laughs) well, Hey, at least you're, you can quote me on that. Um, yeah, I will never just submit to being a boyfriend and, uh, dropping all passion and goals for another person. I think that's the biggest killer of relationships. Ultimately, I think, I think people that are in relationships should uh, help each other out, push each other up and uh, make sure we're, we're, we're going for our biggest dreams, biggest desires, biggest passions and helping in any way and supporting. Like, and I definitely, I definitely wasn't holding my end of the bargain there. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent in relationship aside, I think you can, you should always have a passion in your life, but add on another person. That's a passion plus juggling a relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you really kind of have to still have that full lifestyle, like that full balance of being yourself without the relationship before you can enter a relationship. Mm -hmm. And most times, exactly. yeah. And most times, and I think society and just media and all of that stuff, we assume and we kind of just think a relationship is the solution to unfulfillment or not being happy in your life. And it's just this assumption that, oh, I'm in a relationship, I should be happy, right? Yeah, it it just kind of flows with everything in society now. Like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. And uh, what we should probably focus on is uh, what do we want and what do we need and what are we missing and how can we fulfill our, our inner selves? And, yeah. Um, when all of that aligns, uh, the outside aligns as well, including a partner, including a, a perfect job and whatever else. So you can't look outbound. You got to look inbound. How did you handle that? Um, because when you don't really know who you are anymore, you think In what sense though, you know, you have everyone telling you who you are. You have everyone knowing who you are. You have everyone telling them their opinions about your life. And then 
as a 22 year old uh, with not much life experience, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're left wrestling with the question of who you even are. Um, are you the perception? Are you who you think you are? Or are you, you know, everything. So it was just really confusing. And of course, when you're in the public eye, there's the negative and there's the positive. And yeah. both were very intense. You know, people are very malicious and evil on the internet. And some people are very supportive and loving. And uh, I dealt with both extremes and had to adapt to that as well. You know, shutting out the negativity and not buying into it, not, not making that who I am, you know, not taking everything so personally, even though there are attacks and stuff like that. Yeah. And like you said, you get two extremes. It's either a negative or a positive. And I find you can either get somebody who full heartedly supports you or somebody who just tries to tear you down. But what I really like is the comment that you had made about, you know, public perception and kind of the definition of yourself and people defining you and all of that for a 22 year old what metric or what kind of guide did you use to identify who you were as an individual? That's something that we talk about here on the show a lot is finding out who you really are. Because more often than not, growing up, uh, society and so many other factors contribute to what we identify with and what we label ourselves with, whether it be, you know, that you're a creative or a business owner or entrepreneur, whatever the case may be. Circling back, how was that for you? Like, what did it take for you to identify with what you do today? It was a long process of learning how to not attach to anything people say about me. You know, if someone says something great about me, thank you very much for the compliment. I very much appreciate it. If someone says something negative to me, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the, the, the comment. You know what I mean? Like the, I think the biggest thing for me in balancing my emotions based on a volatile perception, mm-hmm. um, the way I did that um, and learn to do that was through balancing my internal uh, reactions and balancing my internal thought processes and actions and direction through intent. Um, so over time, you learn the best practices when dealing with incoming negativity based on subjective perceptions from other people. Which is really hard to do though. Like to be very intentional in what you're perceiving things as. That's a really, like that's a skill that you really have to hone and work on. And it's fun because it is, I think it is like an infinitely developable skill or Mm -hmm. or discipline within yourself um, and absolutely necessary. I think, you know, people were attacking my skin saying I had bad acne scars. People were attacking, you know, me as a person. Um, at the, and at the same time, people were calling me, you know, amazing and, and, and awesome and, and also beautiful. You know, like there was compliments and terrible attacks coming in and uh, learning how to manage my internal biological state or my, my emotional state, learning how to manage that. Um, based on all incoming traffic uh, was it's something I'm grateful to have developed, but it was also mm-hmm. uh, extremely difficult to to do that because, you know, things hurt. Things really, really hurt. The, oh, the internet, sure. the we are only human. And it's really interesting because despite all the negativity and positivity, you know, thousands of messages, thousands of tweets, thousands of this and that, 
I never experienced really one negative comment in person. Which is interesting. It's so easy to hide behind a keyboard where nobody sees you and nothing can be said face to face. Once you're behind a keyboard, I think anything can be said without that empathetic or emotional attachment to it and the realization that you're actually impacting somebody to that great extent. Because I think the internet is so powerful in the sense of it can manifest really good things or it can manifest unfortunate circumstances and situations. Society is still learning how to adopt it, how to incorporate it in life, and how to also use it in a healthy way. I mean, just this morning, I was reading an article about how they found that the more you use your phone and your technology, they say minimizes the gray matter in your brain, which affects you, right? So it's it's interesting because I think technology is still a skill that I think many of us have not adapted in a healthy way. Right. It's just grown exponentially. And uh, yeah, I think so. With that, I think it's going to be uh, a very interesting, we have a very interesting future that lies ahead of us. I think that a big emerging industry of business and, and stuff like that, and I think a big industry is going to be teaching humans how to access their humanness, yeah. how to uh, regain their senses. Because 100%. humans are losing their senses through excessive use of technology, excessive reliance and dependence on that technology and instant gratification. I think that humans are losing their uh, primal senses. And I think there will be an emerging industry of people teaching humans how to be human. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We got to be careful about what we're flooding our brains with. There's mm-hmm. so much, we have so much access to everything immediately these days. So, um, you know, At your fingertips. Like you said earlier, taking control of what you're putting in front of your face is, is going to be extremely important um, because when you're considering the subconscious and the power of the subconscious mind, um, mm-hmm. that is your habits and stuff, um, what you're impressing upon your subconscious is extremely important. So um, then again, just touching on the Instagram stuff and, and social media, just as a note for the, for the listener right now, um, be careful what you're putting in front of your face and be careful what you're comparing yourself to because that is that is so important. Your brain works with images and you attach emotion or value to those images and that will direct your future. So be careful what you're putting in front of your face. Mm-hmm. I think passive consumption is often the yeah. most dangerous. Yeah, that was awesome. Passive consumption is beautifully put. So going back a little bit, because I know your journey is very uh, complex. How did you get into mindset? It's a very good question. Thank you so much for asking. It's probably my favorite question to answer um, because I get to tell a story. I did. So I had my my big concussion uh, playing hockey and then my shattered dreams that came with that. Um, And then, you know, after that, I, I fell in love and then I was on reality TV um, so basically I had a brain injury and then reality TV, big brother, win. fell, in, <laughs> fell you were in, kind of on an emotional roller coaster. It was a volatile year and a half, two years, let me tell you. And then, you know, um, post reality TV, uh, stress and trauma and new life. I'm in, I'm also in a relationship which didn't work out and that devastated me. And then, um, shortly after that, I come home for Christmas and my best friend passes away. Yeah, it was a very traumatic evening for for myself and and the people that were there with us. Um, it's a very difficult thing to understand life, um, how life works and stuff. And um, so a- after everything I'd gone through, that like the evening where my best friend passes away, that was kind of the turning point for me. I I completely just kind of lost myself. I didn't know 
what I was even on planet Earth for. Like just seeing how life can go and leave a body, it's just it's really confusing and makes you think about a lot of deeper things that you've normally like thought about. So like I never I never even considered what life meant until that. And then so, you know, after after trauma, what happened for me was I had a difficult time finding motivation because I, I wasn't attached to anything anymore. I wasn't attached to like any of the things I normally would have loved. Because and is that I, because you didn't want to attach to it anymore? Was it kind of like a just, just a conscious? I just couldn't. There was no point. You know, like I loved I loved watching hockey games. I loved watching my favorite team, Montreal, play. I loved, you know, playing sports. I loved going out with friends. I loved doing a bunch of stuff. Um, but I actually, you know, I loved trying to create business or trying to make money. I loved trying to do all those things. But after a trauma, for me anyways, I, the, the real, I, I just, my, my whole life was shattered. And to me, there was no point to even work hard. There was no point to even want things. Like I didn't understand why everyone was so consumed by trying to make money or trying to do and I mean, the idea behind it though, was that at the end of the day, we all end up dying and leaving this earth. That's, that's kind of the mindset that you had towards Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So like I was basically just, I, I, I was just like, like exactly what you just said. I, I was like, this is what life is. Like, we're all going to die. Why don't we just enjoy it and hang out and enjoy our time? Like enjoy our existence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with that realization right there, and the the understanding that you know what i still have a life and that is the biggest gift we're all going to have we all have a life and with the with the with the new appreciation for the life i have 400 trillion to 1 is the odds of being born human we won the lottery i won the lottery you did too yeah <laughs> understanding it, that, it is the greatest gift with that deep gratitude for the lottery win that is life, I had a new, you know, a new sort of uh, energy, you know, or something like that. And then with that realization, and I was looking at the mirror, I always tell this story. I was in, I was looking at myself in the mirror and remembering that my best friend had lost his life. And I was looking at myself in the mirror and realizing that I still had that life. I still had an opportunity. And Mm -hmm. so I asked myself, how can I enjoy this experience? I'm going to live by consciously creating good energy within myself, good emotion. I want to strive for excellence and I want to foster excellence. What does that entail? I don't exactly know, but what that forced me to do was become consciously aware of my emotions as the day goes on, as negative stuff comes in, as positive stuff comes in, how am I being impacted? How do I feel? And that's how I became a very, very into personal development mindset, etc. The story gives me goosebumps because for two reasons. Number one, just the deep, deep gratitude that's associated with it. But number two, what you just said, I think so many of us get consumed with what we want or what we think that we need. But in reality, our wants and our needs are really minimal. They're very basic. And what you need to be happy does not lie in, at least I think, external factors such as, you know, what you're driving, what you wear, what you're doing. I think as long as you're happy within yourself and with the life that you've built for yourself, that's where true happiness truly, truly is. And I think, you know, circling back to what we just talked about with, um, you know, technology, online, 
Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. It's like we're so bombarded with so many messages that don't even resonate with our innate being that it makes our lives so much harder and so much more stressful than it needs to be. And I think that alone, just realizing that like your own realization that at least you have a life where you can create a legacy or where you can create an impact, that is that is the greatest thing that you can have, truly. Absolutely. That was really well put. I think you need to face adversity. I think you need to face struggle to really appreciate it. And that's why I so strongly believe that struggle truly is the most beautiful part of life because that is the only time or most times when you truly, truly realize that all the fancy, shiny toys that we want don't really matter. Right, right. I mean, anything outside of yourself is just a bonus. It's just Mm -hmm. that you top and uh you should never you know feel lack within yourself or, or negative emotions um because you don't have something or or because but i of- think that's where it stems from when when you feel like you lack something internally that's where you feel like something externally can compensate for what you're lacking right right and that's where once you do invest you know either it be time money energy whatever the case may be and you feel like at the end of the day you still feel like it's lacking it becomes this kind of cycle of what else can I do? What else can I incorporate right. in my life to fill that void that I've been feeling when in reality, it, it needs to be acknowledged within yourself. That's where you want to ask yourself, are you working currently towards the right thing? Because mm-hmm. if you're working towards and becoming something that you're passionate about and that means something to you, uh, in the moment, you're going to enjoy the failures. You're going to enjoy the lot, the, the the struggles, and then the the heartache because you know that this is where growth happens. This is where you know your human self is adapting and evolving into something more attuned to what you want and more more deserving of what you want to achieve. You know, so like you said, the struggle is truly the be- most beautiful part of life. Um, but if you're going to struggle, you may as well struggle in something that means something to you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So when you had that realization of life and just the the beautiful components of it, what were the next steps? Like, what did you do next to really hone that passion and to create what you're creating today? So I'm I'm, I'm somebody, thank God. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's probably a mix of both. Um, (laughs) I'm very passionate, very to a degree obsessive about what I'm trying to create. And I've been obsessed with, you know, X, Y, and Z things over the course of my life. So I do have an obsessive nature about me as a person. And I'm okay with that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw that out because I like this. I like this part of me. So when I discovered that, you know, I have the one gift, I have life, I have the biggest gift of all. How do I make this experience on earth worth it? I address the fact that I wanted to live in a good emotional state. How do I do that? Now, here we are. I started studying greatness. And by what I mean by that is I started studying literally, you know, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world, the Warren Buffett's of the world, the spiritual leaders, you know, Gandhi or, or or these, the greatest podcasters or whoever, you know, anyone that's Ellen, (laughs) anyone (laughs) created something wonderful. Yeah. No, not only how they did it, but you know, why? And, and more importantly, even what kind of person are they um, when nobody's watching? And that's what I was most fascinated with. I was like, what do the great people of our history do when no one's watching? Because that's what all happens, right? Yeah. 
that's the, you know, what do these people believe in? What do they say? Um, how do they treat people? How do they treat themselves? And what you'll find is that what I found was that the greatest people of our history all have a deep appreciation for life in itself. They all have a deep appreciation for helping as many people as they can help. They all have a deep appreciation for finding what you love and loving what you do. So I basically adopted the principles or philosophies of the greats and tried to incorporate them into my depressed and aimless life at the time. And so what that looked like was, you know, I emulated their habits. I started waking up early. I started going to the gym, eating healthier, um, writing my goals down, writing my gratitude down, doing all of the cliche self-help personal development things. And then eventually, after one putting one foot in front of the other, I started finding direction. I started actually being excited to wake up in the morning. I started getting excited for little moments, even though they weren't they weren't that big or anything. I started loving the process of life. I started loving developing, and it was the most amazing feeling ever. And that takes us to here today, when I'm still just the same person trying to develop into something that I enjoy, that I enjoy being and feeling and then delivering to people. The energy that you're uh, just emulating is that, you know, this journey is ongoing and you still you still haven't gotten to where you want to be. And it's an oh. ongoing journey. Yeah, it, it, if it's that's what a dream is in place for. That's what dreams do to people. It, it, it gets you moving and it gets you excited. And so, you know, it, you don't like picture a song. If you, if you want to listen to a song, picture life as a song. You're not just going to hit the last note of the song and say, well, there's the song. There's the grand finale. The song is the song because it's a beautiful beginning and then development, middle, you know, tension, and then some, some struggle potentially in the song. And, and the ending is the grand finale. And that's like what I see life as. Like, you don't just want to rush to the grand finale of your life. You want to embrace every single part of it, every single emotion and every single lesson you're learning, because that's what creates the legacy. That's what creates your story. Well, and, you know, more often than not, when you do feel like, I guess, if you want to say that you, you know, you reach the final line or you reach the finale of what you were trying to achieve, more often than not, I think any business owner, any creative, anybody who's creating anything can attest that once you get there, it doesn't feel as satisfying as the whole journey and the process of learning something, of uh, trying something and failing or trying something and succeeding. It's always the process that's the most enjoyable aspect of it versus getting the six figures or creating that product or whatever the case may be. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're a species, right? And creating business and creating success isn't really what we're like meant to do as a species. As a I love spe- that you said that. As a species, we're meant to be a species. We're meant to live and evolve as a species. And I think that people undervalue that a lot. I think people overvalue the need to go get money or the need to go create to the point where they're so stressed out day to day mm-hmm. and forgetting the fact that the process is the fun part and developing into something that is meaningful for you and your life and everyone around you. That, that's, that's the important part. And if you can understand what, you're, what you love to do and commit your life to living in a good state, I think that you will eventually create through passion so much value for everyone else that all the abundance you could ever imagine will come to you. 
Mm -hmm. And I think the core element of that, and I think you just kind of spelled it out there, is the connection element. You know, as humans, we just want the connection. We just want to develop those relationships. And we just want, I think it's 100% what we all strive to be. No matter how it comes to life, I think that the sole purpose of it is to connect with people, is to create those deeper relationships and to essentially, you know, grow your own experiences. That's what it comes down to. Right. Absolutely. You nailed it. Mm -hmm. So going back to your own process and journey, uh, what did you develop in terms of honing those skills and how are you helping more people hone their own skills? Yeah. So I started really understanding one key element, and I think you touched on it earlier, um, about struggle. And, you know, I started understanding that discipline equals freedom discipline in any area like if you want to have you know let's say you do want to have an abundance of money you're gonna have to be disciplined in the area of money if you want to have happiness you're gonna have to find ways to discipline yourself to feel a proper happiness and not poison yourself with you know instant gratification all the time because part of part of happiness is created and basically predicated on something that creating something that means something for you and and feeling joy within. So what I learned was through struggle, there will be beauty, there will be growth. And so, and there's basically, I learned a lot about the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. The conscious mind is really just like the captain of a ship. It just tells you where to go. Okay, we're going from this point to this point. Then I understood that the subconscious mind is really where the power is. It's really where you know, picture humans, if they had antennas that could figure stuff out for you, like little aliens, that's your subconscious mind. And it's important for the creative conscious that works, you know, your subconscious works 95% of the day. And then your conscious works, you know, 5% of the day. And what your conscious mind should be doing is helping your subconscious with, with good direction. And that equals you know, daily journaling that equals putting good pictures in front of your face, like we talked about earlier, and all this stuff. And then through, I started learning that if you, and this is how I, t- I teach people to reprogram their minds, basically through cognitive and non-cognitive ways. So, like, I started doing cold showers, and what cold showers did for me was that I wanted to teach myself a new habit. I wanted to teach myself that I'm in control of programming what habits I want into my life. So I took to cold showering and I told myself, I'm going to create this habit in 21 days and I'm going to love it after 21 days to tell myself, to teach myself that I am in control and my subconscious is not in control. So through the struggle and pain of cold showering every morning, I started loving it. Kudos to you. I, I It's one thing that I have attempted to get into, but it's just one thing that I have not adopted. I know it comes with so many benefits, um, so you don't have to tell me. <laughs> but but it's, it's once you set your mind to it and really are determined to accomplish it, I think that's – I love it. Yeah. So, like, basically – and it's it, the like that was just, that's just one one factor, you know. It, it really was. It's really awful. It's it's honestly still awful every day. <laughs> cold I'm glad you admitted that. No, it's, it's literally awful. You know, the 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 minute leading up to the cold shower, um, when you're when you're you know getting undressed and stuff, you it's the same every day. 
Philip, don't do it. You know, don't, you don't want to do the cold shower. You do, you do it every day anyways. Just take a day off. You know, I hear all these voices and those are, those are the, the voices I want to, I want to learn to ignore. Those voices are holding me back in life. Those are the voices that keep me anchored to the past. I'm creating the future and I'm in control of this. And I'm telling my body who bosses, I'm the boss. And so when I hear these voices telling me to not go into the freezing ice water, that's when I act. Open the shower door, get in and sit there and breathe in that cold water and teach yourself how to deal with stress and teach yourself that you are in control and that it is just water. Yes, it is cold, but you've associated cold through your upbringing with uncomfortable. If I'd have grown up in a different culture where cold was comfortable and hot was uncomfortable, it'd be totally reversed. So I'm in control of deciding what I feel. And when the cold water hits me, stress immediately pumps through my veins or tries to, but through practice of calmness, I can now basically not get stressed out when the cold water hits me through a mechanism, through a technique of breathing and focus and bringing my mind a bit of, to a bit of a different place, despite yeah. the uncomfortable freezing water. And that gives- I'm assuming you must know about the Hoff method, right? Yeah, Wim Hof. I, start, <laughs> I, I do his breathing every single day, and I also uh, apply his cold water practice as well. Well, one thing that I really like about what you just tapped into and what he teaches is the conscious mind and being the whole element of exactly what you said, quieting that voice of telling you you can't, and then applying essentially components or elements or techniques to overcome that. So what he you know mentioned, uh, at least to my understanding, is the whole idea is if you're preparing yourself that you're going into cold water, and as soon as you jump into like a, a very cold shower, for example, what happens is your body react very negatively. So you're, you know, gasping or you're essentially going into a fight or flight kind of state, mm-hmm. right? And that's what happens once you get stuck in that kind of reaction. That's when, you know, it ripples into negative, I guess, and negative experiences, negative. That's why I love the cold shower so much. I, I specifically chose cold showers because I know that my body is going to get freaked out when the cold water hits me and stressed out immediately. And if I can get in there and, and postpone the stress, the stress hormones, if I can postpone and possibly just um, eliminate that whole reaction altogether, think of how empowered you're going to be when, you know, it makes everything else easy. You know, if I have a meeting or a sale, sales meeting and I have to, I have to own it or crush it or whatever like that, or, or this, is, this is how I tell people like, um, you know, high-end executives get very stressed out. You know, they get very, you know, it's a high pressure environment. So if you're not getting, if you're controlling your stress response in the cold shower, you're going to have a far easier time controlling your stress response before a meeting or before a big, a big sales pitch or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so I basically selected cold showers as like the hardest thing to conquer with Mm -hmm. regard to stress response. So if you can conquer the cold shower, you learn the mechanism of stress response and you can apply it anywhere and anytime. Yeah. So I've been doing cold showers probably about like a year now, like Mm -hmm. really every single day. And, um, it's been amazing. And so uh, about a month ago I had a dream. And so what you just said, I'm re- like kind of reprogramming 
the subconscious. And so I was having a dream. And in my dream, I've been having the same dream for years and years and years, my whole life, where I get chased by like a kidnapper or a murderer. And this kidnapper or murderer can only run at my speed. It, it will never catch me, but I'm always terrified. So I'm always just running around and, and just so scared for my life. Even though I, I could never run full speed, so I could never get away from the bad guy. And then so this dream came up again about a month ago. And while I was dreaming, I immediately realized that I was dreaming. Like I was, I, I turned into a lucid dream and yeah. I turned around for the first time. I didn't start running. Immediately something new happens. Remember, I've been having this same dream for years where I'm getting chased by a murderer or a kidnapper and I can't get away. But what happened this time was I realized I was in a dream and that I can change the response. I can change the outcome. So instead of starting to run like I always normally did in my dreams, I say, dude, this is just a dream. Turn around and own your fear. So I turn around at this kidnapper thing coming at me, murderer. It was terrifying. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm doing this. I'm about to face my big fear of this dream. And then it, the kidnapper slash murderer came up to me and started running at me. And I just took a punch at it, at, at the, the guy. And then it, the, the murderer like disintegrated. And then I woke up from the dream. So I basically somehow subconsciously, while I was dreaming, changed the outcome. I didn't ha- I changed the routine. Like that dream, I've had it hundred, like literally hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I changed the outcome and I faced Yeah, it. well, instead of thinking that I'm going to die, and you were like, yeah, I'm going to fight and protect I myself. Really, I really accredit that, that response to cold showers because every time I get fearful of the cold water, like every time I get, you know, anxious that it's going to suck, I go in right away. So yeah. all of a sudden in my dream, that same little emotion came up. Oh, this is going to suck. Bad dream. This is going to suck. Boom. The response kicks in and I act. Yeah. And I own it. I face it. And so I did that in my dream. And so so I'm really motivated to keep pushing through those those voices of resistance. Because mm-hmm. I'm- and that's but I think that's the mindset that you need to have towards any kind of challenge or obstacle that you may be facing with. Because if you keep telling yourself that, oh, this is going to suck, or oh, I'm not going to achieve success, or oh, this is just going to be a failure, then that's exactly what you're going to achieve because you're kind of telling yourself the result and the outcome before it even happens. So not, you're not only, you know, telling yourself that and acting in the um, the day-to-day process as to how it would happen if you were to have failed, but you're, you're kind of like, it's kind of writing your story before you even live it. So you're not even giving yourself the opportunity to be like, what if this is actually successful? What if I actually make six figures? What if I actually enjoy this? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think it's like a mindset. And I, I, I love your little story because... I strongly believe that the mind is such a powerful, powerful organ. I think that so many of us don't 
realize the capacity and the potential that it can contribute to and how if we foster it and hone it in the right environments and with the right uh, tactics and skills and lifestyle that you can really, you know, build very, very successful and very, very great things. Um, but I uh, I think that so often we, first off, are not taught to in the right ways, you know, growing up as well as society. Like we often don't realize what you know, you just mentioned like the subconscious and conscious mind. That's something that I recently just got got into. Uh, I'm going to say in the past, you know, two to three years and just realizing that, oh, shit, like not everything happens in your conscious mind. It's actually subconscious. And those are the patterns that you're kind of honing in. And that's what your conscious is acting out on. Right. So it's the yeah. So it's that without even realizing it's interesting because it's this book that um, that I started reading the untethered soul. And I remember at the time, so I love your journey and I love the adversity uh, that you shared in your own because it's so similar to mine in the sense of I never got into any type of, I guess, growth, um, personal development until I had to face my own obstacles. And much like yours, you know, I at a young age had lost uh, very close individuals to me. And I think I was exposed to, well, I mean, quite honestly, death when I was at a very young age. Um, And that started with, you know, my dad passing of a brain tumor. And despite me being very young at the time, you know, I was a couple months old, I feel like in a way it narrated my lifestyle and my journey because I was very conscious of it throughout essentially every stage of my life. And then I had, you know, lost a brother. Um, And that was, I think, a pivotal moment for me because in a sense, um, I mean, I always knew that life was, you know, life was, uh, you know, our physical body only exists on this universe, on this earth for so long. So it's like that conscious at the back of your mind, you know this. Um, And it was up until, you know, two to three years ago where I had my own kind of who am I? What am I doing? What I'm what am I working towards that? um, I felt like my whole world was just crashing. And, you know, being my perfectionist self, I had created a life that I wanted it to be so perfect. But um, while it seemingly appeared to be, it really wasn't. And once it all kind of shattered and turned out to be not at all what I wanted, that's when I really started questioning my own path, my journey. And it's interesting, though. And why I say that is because I believe like so many other people, I felt like I was doing the right things. I was, you know, I was on the journey that, you know, everybody tells you what to do, when to do it. And it was never kind of like a conscious action of doing something for myself when I felt like I needed it. I felt like I needed somebody to tell me what to do. And it was kind of at that stage where I I started to explore, you know, I guess in my, with my background, uh, being Middle Eastern taboo kind of uh, concepts of spirituality and growing, you know, your own potential. Because I think regardless what religion or background you grow up in, I think we're kind of all told that the path that you have is kind of created for you, right? Uh, You're living this life and what's meant to happen 
is going to happen when in reality you can actually shift it, if that makes any sense. (laughs) And I think it's a belief that a lot of us foster, a belief that a lot of us hold and live our lives to. So for me, it started off with, you know, going to an energy therapist, which was very, you know, even thinking back, I felt so weird doing it, not, not in the sense of what is this? But (laughs) the whole idea of how can this help me was so, you know, out of out of my element. And that was just the beginning stage, I think, to my own growth and journey and perspective of like subconscious mind and conscious mind and what we're passively uh, consuming and how, you know, going back to the voice in your head, you know, one thing that the untethered soul always talks about is that voice in your head. It's always going. And whether you're trying to change it to be a positive or negative, it's always going to, it's always going to exist. So it's how do you no longer define yourself as that voice, but perceive it as just that voice, somebody who's completely not associated with you. I think it just happens through an understanding that that voice is actually not, it's not you. That voice is, it's just an amalgamation of everything that's happened to you up until this point. It's that the the voices you hear, that narrative is, is just coming from everything that people have told you, your family, your friends, your experiences, the way you've associated value with those experiences what do you think of them what are your values what are your beliefs so well it's the significance you associate with it right exactly so if you associate you know if you if you resent something or someone you resent that thing for a reason and Mm -hmm. sometimes the reason isn't even that valid you just believe in it and You believe in it because someone else has told you to believe in it and then or, you know, whatever. So taking control, at least of understanding that you're not the voices that are in your head, understanding that basically you are your thoughts, you are your beliefs. And until you take control of what you believe in and and what you'd love to accomplish, until you take control of this, of a new direction, of a new belief for your own self that means something to you, until you do that. You're going to be defined by everything that's been programmed into you and programmed into your subconscious mind. And it's totally a commitment to yourself to change that narrative because they are just voices and they are just, and they're not, they're not even in your brain. They're just your brain basically lighting up and making you feel things based on your perception and what you're perceiving in the environment. And your brain will light up differently over time if you commit to something else and you commit to believing something else that works for you. That's yeah, what that's so true. Important. Perception, yeah. and how you take in the environment and how you how you perceive everything that happens in your life is is what gives you your experience. You know, you, you could have person A and person B that go to the same event, but person A has a t- terrible experience and person B has an amazing experience. And that happens through the way they perceive where they actually are and how they actually perceive their moments in time. And the perception comes from deep within you. Yeah, from experiences that you've had in the past that could trigger it. Exactly, from your programming. And if you want to, you know, the goal has been to unlearn what's holding me back within my subconscious. It's not by just piling things on top of things on top of things. It's by actually addressing what am I actually believing? And is this valid or is this (laughs) holding me back? And if you start asking yourself these questions, you'll start seeing 
where these beliefs actually come from. And it, it, some of them are, some of the time, like it's actually pretty laughable. Why yeah, no, it's the, true. It's like, oh my God, that comes from, <laughs> are you kidding me? Okay, that's, that's, see you later. Like, <laughs> and then you start taking control of the narrative. And the way you do that is, you know, there, there are practices you can do for anyone listening right now uh, who has limiting beliefs or negative beliefs or a negative narrative or, or, a, or a poor perception of the world that is not fostering growth. Um, the way you can do this is, you know, through affirmations, journal, tell yourself who you are, tell yourself in the mirror how beautiful you are. Tell yourself how wealthy and abundant you are and how, how amazing your life is. Start, start pumping in these positive affirmations and this this positive belief that you can achieve and succeed in however way you'd like. I agree. And I think that, you know, so many of us think that journaling or even positive affirmations is kind of like a fad or a trend or perhaps even can be associated with, you know, ego to a certain extent. I think it's definitely important to have that belief system in yourself, like actually understanding that this is what I'm capable of, because so often times we're told that we're not what we think we are. So it's like, if somebody is telling you who you are without you believing in yourself, it goes back to, you know, how this podcast all started. That's where you start to lose yourself and your sense of identity and what you can and cannot you know, accomplish and the journey that you're on. So I find um, even for myself, positive affirmations and journaling, like I can probably look back to my first page of journaling and, you know, be like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And I don't know what I'm supposed to be saying right now. But I think it's at least for myself, it started off as just if I'm being frank, retelling my experiences. And then it really wasn't until I even want to say recently that I I started to delve into those experiences and be like, okay, I had this experience. It was a positive one or a negative one. And why did I feel that way? And really dissecting it like layer by layer and not associating any type of association to it. Like it's just like, okay, this happened. Why did it happen? What can I take away from it? Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You you understand it. You 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 get it. And so I think though, so many people struggle with it because it's so the concept of it is very hard to either act day day in and day out. You know the physical aspect of uh, being responsible and holding yourself accountable to do it every day. And I think there needs to be kind of like that spotlight that y- you don't need to do it every day. If it doesn't resonate with you to do it every day, then don't do it. I think you need to kind of go on to the pattern of what you feel like you need at that time. And I think so many people are just trying to grasp every kind of uh, tactic or technique or lifestyle. And I think what really needs to be acknowledged is that, you know, this looks different for everybody. So don't look at anybody to be like, why are they doing that? And why can I accomplish the same thing? Or why can I hold this habit? If they're doing it, I think I can do it. I think so many people have that concept that, it needs to be that way or no other way. I think even if it's journaling once a week or, you know, twice a week or whatever the case may be, whatever fits for you, I think that that really plays a role into it. Digging into your habits and what you started developing for yourself, what are simple ways that people can start developing it for their life? Um, I think I think the key goal is to understand and develop your your habitual 
internal awareness of self and to develop the habit of becoming aware of where you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. Is this right? How do you feel? What are you hearing in your head? What's your intuition saying? I think that developing the habit of awareness and self-awareness and presence is going to be the biggest gift for everyone um, on the path of, you know, mindfulness and stuff. And the way to do that is by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations where those voices of resistance are yelling at you and you can start, you know, making new decisions, not a prisoner of the negative thoughts of the past and taking control of the new narrative that you're telling yourself, your new direction. So some simple habits would be gratitude journaling every single morning, writing five or 10 things down that you are very, very grateful for. You want to, you want to become the emotional signature of gratitude and love that you want to become the emotional signature of gratitude and love. So develop habits that encourage that emotional signature, proven journaling, visualization. If you want to manifest, go for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, Let's get into that actually, visualization and manifestation. Right. And I, so the, the reason I'm, I'm incorporating this into the habits to develop thing, if you want to, if you want to reprogram your, your subconscious mind, if you want to change the narrative from negative to positive, from fixed mindset to growth mindset, I think incorporating visualization every single morning um, after a breathing exercise where you've changed your physical state, you've changed your chemical makeup. Um, I do a Wim Hof, a a 15 minute Wim Hof, and then I do a, a visualization of my day. And what this visualization includes is a sensory experience of the future. I ask myself, in a very calm state, what am I doing today? And how would I like it to turn out? And how can I create that? And it's never about controlling anything outside of you. So what visualization does is it allows me to set an intention of how I'm going to handle myself and be myself in the moments of today. Mm -hmm. And so, so there's a, so when I, when I, you know, let's say I have a meeting and I've never met this person before, I might be a bit nervous, you know, I might be a bit nervous. I've never met this person. Uh, who knows what's going to come of it, but I'm, you know, I'm a bit nervous to meet this person at Starbucks. So in the morning, I would recommend a visualization of, you know, parking your car in the Starbucks parking lot, walking, feeling the steps, smelling what it smells like, feeling what it feels like, hearing what it sounds like, sensory. Remember all of your hear, see, smell, taste, touch. That's Mm -hmm. what a proper visualization includes. And then you picture yourself opening the door. And right away when you see the person you're meeting, big smile, big, nice handshake, look at them in the eyes. Even if this is out of your character, even if you're a shy person, in the morning, you can visualize yourself doing a great job meeting this person and having a great coffee meeting and 
and do that and, and visualizing moments like that for your day and for your life and, and creating your dream. And what that does is it connects you to your energy of the future. So you're no longer chained by the energy of the past, which might be negative or might be subconsciously poor, poor programming. Mm-hmm. And that's not your fault. So when you're visualizing in the morning and you're developing the habit of visualization and, and, and you know, elevating energy, um, I think this is amazing because you can focus on your intentions for the day. You can remind yourself how you'd like to be and, and you bring it. Otherwise you're going to have a difficult time, um, being very, very proactive. I think visualization really fosters a, a proactive way of living. Yeah. It's interesting because, well, that's something that is, uh, new concept for me to grasp or to visualize. So it's interesting to hear the way people do it and the that the reenaction of it because mm-hmm. cuz the correlation to that is then you start to develop those skills and develop that mindset, correct? Right, absolutely. So you you asked about habits, so the habits um for developing this mindset, the habits really just create within yourself a new mm-hmm system, a new narrative, a new self-awareness, you know, a new ability to manage your emotional state despite stress in the environment or despite high success in the environment. You have a better ability to stay calm and and stay creative and innovative. And um, you become your own leader in a sense. Yeah, because no it's longer- kind of like you're trying to experience those things before it happens so that you have the skills and the essentially the toolbox to be like, this is what I need to do when I am faced with whatever emotion or whatever situation or whatever scenario, right? Absolutely. It always involves, you know, good breathing, good gratitude, and good intention. And if yeah. You- and good presence, you know, good breathing will create a good presence for you. And then if you can pile on a couple grateful thoughts, you're going to elevate your, your energetic signature into love and gratitude. And then with a new intention or a positive intention, you become the creator of your life every single moment of every single day. And when poor stuff happens or negative or difficult stuff happens to you, you now have the ability to breathe change your emotional signature, pump gratitude in, new intention, and you're cruising. The, re- the refractory period from, the, from something bad happening is now so short. You're not going to be pissed off because something bad happened a week ago. You might be pissed off for 20 minutes. You did your breathing, you did your gratitude, you intended, you're, you have a new perception, and you're on your way. And your, your personality is totally modifiable mm-hmm. if you want to be. And your, your personality is your personal reality. Like your, your personal reality is your personality. And so addressing how you perceive the world and like giving yourself a moment to listen further. Listening is the most beautiful gift people have because you can listen to what's going on outside of you. And you can also listen to what your voices are telling you. And you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about what's holding you back if you listen it all comes down to just the mindset, the habitual kind of lifestyle of what you're creating. And then just I personally want to really 
highlight and put a spotlight on is the intention. I think it all comes down to the intent as to why you're doing what you're doing and what the goal is. I mean, going back into, you know, whatever you apply this to, whether it be personal development or professional development or entrepreneurship or creativity, whatever the case may be, I think it comes down to why are you doing it and what's the purpose of it and how is it contributing to your legacy or your journey, really? Right. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, to your point, so important to have an intention and mm-hmm. to, you know, more importantly, have have an intention or have a have a worthy ideal for your life that justifies your efforts right now, your efforts right now in, in your development. You know, you might be going through something difficult right now and want to give up, but knowing that this is so, in, you have to go through, you ha- having a worthy ideal that justifies your effort now is so important. So choose a big goal and a big intention for life. And that will create a nice series of sub intentions that lead up to that great big intent or mission statement for your life. Yeah. Well, I think it all starts with one goal. So as long as you can set that and work towards it, I think you're, you're on a, you're on a great journey. You're on a good path. Sure. For sure. Don't go big, you know, you yeah. like, go big for sure. Because <laughs> here you go, the bigger everything else is, you know, within that funnel. within your activities every single day. So I'm a strong believer in, you know, it's the daily habits that you can incorporate every day and that you do incorporate every day. And that's what contributes to your greater success. Absolutely. Yeah, your your daily habits really do create your life. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, your your daily habits are not only um, what you do with your body, but it's it's oftentimes what you do with your mind. And Mm -hmm. Your mind is the, is the true key. It's the true gift you have. And I would recommend, um, like I said earlier, becoming aware of your internal dialogue, your habitual voices, and uh, incorporate habits to empower yourself to switch the narrative that you may not enjoy or that may be holding you back based on programming from other people or, or past experiences. 100%. This is also powerful. So I know people are going to uh, want to find you. So where can they find you? Um, on Instagram, I post a lot of content. Um, so and it's I'd all say- very inspiring and powerful. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much. Uh, same to you. I, I follow you. I have post notifications turned on for you. So um, thank <laughs> you for that you do as well. Um, at, in, I'm on Instagram at PaxOfficial, P-A-Q-S official, and uh, also on YouTube at PAX, P-A-Q-S. And I also have a private Facebook group where I go live every single week um, and I post things every single day in order to help people move forward in a, in a beautiful direction and with a beautiful uh, state. Um, it's, it's The private Facebook group is, is where I have a lot of fun uh, helping people out. Um, so yeah, that, that's the optimal energy group by PAX on Facebook. And clearly this episode is just a taste of what you offer uh, <laughs> on that. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're, you're an you. amazing uh, host and uh, really, really good. I, I, had a, I had a great time chatting with you today. Thank, if you. Done, done yet. Thank you so much for listening. Want more? Don't forget to subscribe and to leave a comment below. Stay connected by following us on Instagram at shimi.co. 